0: Yo, what's up, guys? This is Dave with Dynasty Dorks. We're a year-round fantasy football podcast, and we do Dynasty and Redraft content. Thanks for the follow. Good luck to see going on guys it is sunday april 10th we're about 18 days away from the nfl draft this is a it's a very fun time of the year you you're kind of your all your first and second wave of free agency done now all the rookie hype is going on and i, I want to talk rookie running back so i brought the man on here angelo welcome back to the show
1: man thank you again for having me on i'm excited to be back
0: yeah. So, well, everyone, yeah, you know, if you've seen Angelo's work, you know what he does. This guy right here watches more tape than you watch Netflix. And um, he does all the work for you. He's got a fantastic website that really breaks down in a very, very detailed way why each running back or each receiver or each quarterback is ranked where they're at, what the projections are going to be. And I want to show everybody kind of what that is. Answer the question, what is Angelo analysis? So if you're ready, let's do it.
1: Sure. Yeah. All right. I'll make sure my screen is shared. Okay. So essentially what Angelo analysis is, it's kind of two-pronged. <clears throat> First, what I do is I walk through all these prospects. Like in this class, you know, we have the wide receivers. You have the drop-down menu here. You can click and choose on the guys that are up there. And then what I do is I... Um, I integrate GIFs into the website and walk through different aspects of a guy, let's say like George Pickens. He, he's a the, he's the free profile of the week on annual analysis. So if you, you can go over there and check that out right away and, and go look at his profile. Um, and then talk about some of the things that I see on film and some of the things that you know NFL offensive coordinators might see as well. And then also when you get to the bottom of his tape, what happens is I go through – his grades. Where is he at in in conjunction to his peers and on the Ascension grading system. So the Ascension grading system is essentially something I created to blend film analytics and give him scores based on specific elements of being a wide receiver and also from the film and the analytic perspective. So for example, like three level effectiveness, picking scores of three. So it's a out of five grading scale and you can get bonuses um, based around your elite or near elite level that you either perform that trait or you score in that metric analytically. So let's say, for example, um, let's see if he has any here. I think he might have one or two. So he scores for me in the like 95th or above percentile in inner athleticism in contested catch, situations and catch concentration so for him that's a big boon to his profile right and then when you go to ags and talk about some of these guys let's say we'll go to past class running backs since we're talking about running backs today um we can go in there and look what do these guys do in comparison to the past classes so a guy like let's say jonathan taylor you see had jk dobbins naji harris travis Etienne, deandre swift cam acres etc cetera, etc cetera. and where those guys kind of fell on ags and how they're performing right now in the field obviously you can see that too so that's how i have all my prospects graded um and that's how it looks on ags um These are up there for the running backs and receivers of this year's class. Um, Grades are still being input and added every week usually. So I hope to be done with about 25 each, 25 receivers, 25 backs by the NFL draft. Um, Last year I wasn't as ambitious and got through I think about 15 or so grades on each. But this year I really want to try to get to about 50 grades in total for running backs and receivers. And then I'll also have um, a rookie draft guide coming out post-draft as well as a short youtube series on each of these prospects uh called the four minute forecast where i break down a prospect in four minutes um and what they can mean for their fancy purposes with their landing spot in mind so that's that's a a basic wrap up about what the site's about and then um subscription options a dollar 79 a week um 5.99 a month or 49.99 a year so um that's kind of the gist of the site Uh, it's been a lot of fun creating it. A lot of fun getting to i guess become a developer in a sense and and have a, all those struggles with me but um it's been a ton of fun man and i'm really excited for what's to come for sure
0: well it's great man and and where where can we find it and then where can we find all your other stuff
1: right so you can find it on angelanalysis.com, and then you can find all my other stuff on twitter at angelo underscore fantasy uh my dms are open too so if anyone wants to you know just shoot me a question on draft stuff or rookie rankings or their own dynasty teams. Uh, I'm more than happy to, to check it out and uh, and give a reply and communicate.
0: Awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing that. Everyone, make sure you please go give him a follow and go subscribe. You're, you'll definitely have the edge over the competition. And I know if you're like me, I just not going to lie out there and say, I watch every single person's every single game. Um, definitely watched a few guys, but not half as much as you have. Um, so let's, let's talk rookie running backs, um, with rookie running backs. I mean, this class, there's, there's just a lot and, and there's a lot of different types of running backs. So I think that's what makes it really fun. Right. And so, so one thing we're going to do right now is and angel, please. Uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate you're always a very kind person to me but uh, don't be afraid to, to bash my rankings here. <laughs> um, I want people to be able to give, uh, to really get different perspectives. I think if everybody agrees, it doesn't always help anybody. And one of my favorite things to do, if, if I'm trying to if I'm really sold on a player, I'm trying to figure out why would I not be sold on that player? Because you've sure. got to be able to see both sides of the argument.
1: Sure, I 100% agree.
0: The, the number one guy, I think is consensus across the board. For most people, is Brees Hall, and I have yeah. Brees Hall as my number one. Um, really, just a combination of running uh, and pass catch work that makes him a, a fantasy, uh, a possible fantasy star. And I think that there's a lot of people that have the one hundred and one right now that aren't even thinking about anybody else. They're just thinking about Brees Hall, unless they're you know maybe thinking about a receiver um, in your one quarterback leagues, but. Brees Hall is probably where they're going. Is he your number one running back?
1: Yeah, by by far. He's in a tier, he's in a tier by himself for me. So uh, I, I definitely think Brees Hall is the clear cut number one running back in this class. And I don't think it's it's not super close. Uh I think he's the only one right now I think can get you know day one draft cap. I think he might go in the back half of that, back half the twenties. Um the Buffalo Bills is one I think that makes a lot of sense with them wanting to give Josh Allen essentially more of a rest around the goal line because that's been a primary part of you know his workload so he, you know he's a franchise quarterback so you want to make sure that he has a lot of tread in his tires left.
0: yeah no I, I love that and you know when you're talking about these running backs like you, you just you, you don't want to take a running back in the early end of the first round that's really um, an old school mindset but getting them for for five years and a potential franchise tag like that's essentially you know sorry running backs this that's your their career. And if you get someone like, like Brees Hall at pick 20, I think it's 25 or 26 that the Buffalo bills are at. And, and they're a team that is a, a very good roster. So they don't have a whole lot of gaping holes. I mean, there's a few things they could use, you know, they got Von Miller to add to the pass rush. They could probably use another pass rusher. They can use a guard, but their offense, 100% needs a, a running back. Singletary was okay. Yeah, you know, at the end of last year, he was actually really good but he was okay for the last couple of years. They need a difference maker at the running back position. And Brees Hall would be it. So number two, I have Kenneth Walker. And uh, so Kenneth Walker, I know some people it's, it's Isaiah Spiller. I have actually heard some people have Rashad white up there. I heard there's some big Zamir white fans and some big Brian Robinson fans. There's also been, I've seen Kyron Williams super high. I don't know if he's still so high on those boards after this. Uh, season, sure. But, Kenneth Walker for me, he's, he's got the big playability. Um, My only concern with him as far as the, the passing down work is, is definitely not as extensive as, as some of the other guys in his class. Um, and you can look at Michigan state and say it's a Michigan state thing and hope so. Um, but seeing him catch the ball, he's not as uh, as a natural pass catcher as Brees Hall or, James Cook or some of these other guys. So what what are your thoughts about Kenneth Walker?
1: I like him a ton. I I think he's going to be a back that steps in right away and has potentially 200-plus touches as a a rookie. So for me, I like what I see – as, from him as a runner, I think as a receiver, he just hasn't done it. That doesn't mean he can't do it. I think he has the the movement skill to, to be a guy that can run a decent route tree at the running back position, be active in the screen game, on flares. Um, so we just don't know what we don't know with Kenneth Walker, and we don't know how he's going to be deployed. Um, can he be a receiving option? I think he can. He didn't do it in college very often. That wasn't really what he was called upon to do, but um, that doesn't mean he can't do it. Um, I think he's going to be a second round pick. I'm a big fan of his game. I think he's going to be someone that is, you know, potentially a top 25 option this year in fantasy for sure.
0: Yeah. And, you know, something that Move the Sticks was talking about was, you know, a lot of people get this Big Ten running backs are slow. And, you know, they scout the helmet. Um, I don't know what the exact number is, but it seems like all the Big Ten uh, schools play on grass. Um, I know that may have a little bit to do with it, may not a whole lot, but when they switch from grass on Saturday to the Indianapolis Combine, they sure look fast. And um, so Kenneth Walker, I think, surprised some people. He's not a huge running back. He's more kind of like Javante Williams kind of a build, but that's kind of the comparison he's getting with, with Move the Sticks. and am not saying he is Javante Williams, but that kind of hype in regards to the draft process, people just think he's a very good runner. He's got a, a great, you know, off the field characteristic, um, resume and he's blowing, you know, blowing people away with the interview. And, uh, I'm excited to see him play. So, so let's get to my third and, and this is where we, we could get a little dicey. I got Isaiah Spiller. Um, Isaiah Spiller is my third. I think he's one of the best pure runners in this class. He's a bigger back. And so when people see the 40, they get all sorts of twisted. Um, but he's a bigger back. If you're 199 pounds and you run a four, five, six, that may, may be a problem. But when you're as big as he is and you're a power back, that's 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 pretty damn good.
1: Right.
0: And uh I was looking through fantasy production the last you know the last five seasons, just top 24 running backs. And I was really surprised of how many four sixes I saw. And and people would be shocked if they saw how many people have run a 4-6 and been a top 12 or 15 fancy producer. What are your thoughts on Isaiah Spiller?
1: I think he's interesting um, for a couple of reasons. I think that he's a better receiver than he's given credit for. That's number one. I think he's going to be a, a – a, good receiving option at the NFL level. I think where he is really strong, he has a really good movement toolbox. I think he's one of the best movers in the class, the position uh, in the open field Um, and in tight spaces as well. He shows that in spurts. I think he's a bit sporadic in between the tackles in terms of being a pure runner. Um, Instinctually, I think he has some catching up to do in terms of game speed, Um, but that's going to be the, the thing with Spiller, kind of like we saw a few years ago with Miles Sanders, like, can he catch up cognitively is the question. Physically, he has the tools to be a productive NFL runner. It's just going to be from the cognitive perspective. Can he do that? And we don't have the answer to that right now. Um, And well, uh, you know, his offensive coordinator, his running back coach and his coaching staff help him along with that. As we Obviously, we don't have those answers, but I think he has the tools to be a good running back in this league and i don't think he's anything i don't think he's like a special player by any means but i think he could be an average to above average nfl running back which is kind of like what's it's kind of what you want in fantasy you don't like if you you know where he's being drafted right now around i think like eight to 112 mm-hmm. that's fine i mean I'll, I'll take a guy like that who can produce for my team um every day of the week so we'll see where he lands and i'm curious to see um if his i guess like pro day if that's going to be kind of a downfall for him in terms of capital, I don't think it will be. I think he's still a late second, early third round pick in the NFL draft. So um, we'll see what happens, but I, I like his skill set, especially if an offensive coordinator prioritizes getting him in open space right away in his rookie year.
0: Yeah. And he reminds me a lot of Leonard Fournette when I see him run with the, you know, out in space, catching the ball. He's just, he's a big dude. And to see him just get down and pluck the ball off of his shoelaces Leonard Fournette does that. He and he's an underrated pass catcher that was pretty much they thought you know this this guy has no hands coming out of college, and he's been a very good, you know, very good pass catcher in the league. Um, I wouldn't say the running style is the same, um, but similar. Um, What are your what are your thoughts about the critique that he runs really high?
1: I think it's interesting because it kind of he drops level pretty well. Runners that run high that can't drop level are, you know, you're you're a huge target on in on the middle of your chest, right? Yeah. That's that's kind of an issue. I think when you watch him actually sprint without pads, you can tell he is a, you know, he's a high-hipped runner, which is okay. I mean, it's not like a giant deal. But the one thing I think he can it's work on more. It's not even physical. It's, it's just the cognitive stuff. It's it's being able to slow the game down. Um, that's really it for him. I I think he's a great mover and does a lot of really good things in space. He's gonna be an in-space player like Kenyon Drake was, I think. And that's not a bad thing. Kenyon Drake was pretty fantasy viable um at his peak before the injuries took hold. So yep. I think that's kind of who he is in terms of mold. Um, but I'm I'm really interested to see what NFL evaluators think of him come draft day.
0: And let's go to the four spot. And I think the four spot has changed on the consensus boards about five times in the last five weeks. Right. Um, and, and I'm coming in with Rashad white mm-hmm. yeah. at, at the four it. spot. Um, for me, I'm shooting for the upside. I, I I don't, I didn't see as, as much as I would like to see. I felt like there was a lot left out there on the field, whether it was him or the coaching staff, but this guy is another one that has a very good pass catching skill set, and his size and running combination with that is, is all upside. Um, so what what are your thoughts about Rashad white?
1: Yeah, I think he's a really good combination of runner receiver and, and that's going to be really important. Analytically he scores pretty well too. So, um, he has that going for him um, from a fancy perspective, but yeah, I think in terms of watching him play on the field, he he's a, a bit raw, but I think he's kind of like a carry-on Johnson in, term, in terms of movement skill and his ability to be a really good blend of runner-receiver. And that's going to be important come draft day. I think he has the capability to be a three-down back and be a productive receiver uh-huh. and utilize in, in the passing game. So I think that's what you get when you get White. I actually have White pretty high, too. I'm, I believe I have an RB4 um, on AGS, and I actually have him ahead of Isaiah Spiller. Um for that reason, I think he might be just a little bit further along. I think on film, I actually have Spiller a bit higher, but in, in totality, um, White's a little bit higher than um, than Spiller is. But I'm interested to see who gets drafted first, actually, between White yeah. and Spiller. I think the capital is going to be closer than I think we thought it was going to be a couple months ago. Um, but I think both are probably you know third-round guys. Spiller might sneak into the late second round, but I think White, mid-late third, I think is kind of what we can position him as. Um, but he's an, he's another one, man. He could be an NFL starter. I mean, these are guys. There's a lot of guys in this class that if you told me they're starting in the NFL in two years, I wouldn't be shocked. And he's one of those.
0: Yeah, he just every time you watch him on the field, you just he just he looks good. He's a very smooth runner, um, and you know, I just I, I feel like if he gets in the right system and, and gets you know get some opportunity out there, he's he's someone that has some of the biggest upside in this class. And uh, Ryan McDowell shared something earlier. And Rashad White is is the biggest mover as far as right. um, ADP in the in the running backs. And he's just you see the trajectory, and it is just off the charts how how high this guy's going now um compared to where he was. Um at at the five spot, and then we'll recap my my top five, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller, Rashad White, and then my fifth zamir white i uh, love it so zamir white is someone that obviously there's the concerns with the acls um that's that's obviously a concern um anytime anyone has that you're buying a you know nfl teams are buying a damaged product and that is difficult so what i am concerned about is landing spot it is are those acls going to make him a fifth or a sixth round pick and that that would be very difficult you know, for him um, as you get later on down the board. It just lessens right. your chance of opportunities and production. But what are your thoughts on Zemir White?
1: I love Zemir White in terms of his watching his film and how physically runs and his brand of football is pretty refreshing. And I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I think, you know, if you take the ACLs away, he's he has some of the best film in this class as a pure yep. runner. Um and, and that's something, you know, not to take super lightly because this is a good class. This is a deep class of, of guys who can be productive NFL running backs. The question is, and you hit the nail on the head, Dave, is injury. What do NFL offensive coordinators, what do NFL front offices think of the injury? And that's going to be a really good tell. We saw it with Tylan Wallace last year. I had Tyron Wallace ranked really high in my Pro Bowl tier because it doesn't account for injury, and he was a, obviously a really, really high-level producer early in his career. Zamir White, kind of in that same boat. Tylen Wallace drops the fifth round because yeah. of injury, and now he's probably not going to have a productive NFL career because of it. Same with Zamir White. That's kind of my fear. I have him pretty highly rated on AGS and on like just the film score in totality. So I don't know what NFL front offices think of the injury, how the medicals are checking out but draft day in terms of capital will give us a really big tell if he's a third round pick versus a sixth round pick, we'll know where to, to be on him immediately or yep. avoid him altogether.
0: Yeah. And he's someone that the ages out there are not, not a huge fan of. And part of that is the injuries. You know, mm-hmm. this is a guy that could have got out of there earlier if he didn't have some of the injuries. Um, but that's, that's what comes with it. So when, when you're, you're looking at your top five. Can you give us a, a, a sneak peek at what that would be?
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So for me on AGS, I'll go with that, not just film or analytics. I'll give you like the compilation of the two. So I have Brees Hall number one. Um, Pierre Strong number two in a separate tier as a my Pro Bowl tier, tier three, so my sorry, my tier four guys. RB3, Kenneth Walker, RB4, Rashad White, RB5, Isaiah Spiller. So those are my top five. Obviously, the most, you know, the one that's not consensus at all is Pierre Strong Jr. And he's the one I'm most excited about in this class to see A, where he lands and B, what type of capital he gets. He's a damn good player. Uh, he's one of those guys that when you watch him play at that level, one A guy, obviously, South Dakota State University, the Jackrabbits if you haven't watched him, you want those guys to dominate. He dominated. Yeah. As a freshman, 9.5 yards of carry, 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns, 14 yards of reception. This is a guy that dominated early and kept dominating at that level, um, and now he's coming out of – coming out in this pretty deep class um but i think he's i i think he's rb2 i mean that's that's how highly i think of him and think he can he has nfl size he's a good receiver he has all the traits you're looking for to be a successful nfl running back the last back of you know in one double to be a big success was david johnson um yep and i think a guy like pierre strong jr is is tony pollard he's He's when you watch him play, he's a good blend of runner receiver. He's extremely economical and he's a pretty good craftsman at the position. And that's going to be really important when he's because he's a wide zone back. Um, The hope is he goes to a team like Atlanta, Tennessee, Miami, who utilizes guys like that um, really well. So I'm really excited for him. I think he is definitely underrated. And I think part of that is the school size. And then the other part is hard to watch film kind of guy who goes to South Dakota state university. So uh, I just put his profile up on the site today too, but, um, I'm just, I'm oozing with excitement for Pierre strong junior. And he's the guy that every single time in the second round of rookie drafts, I'm just, I'm smashing, I'm, I'm, smashing the draft button right now. Um, it'd be interesting to see where he lands. I hope he gets capital. I hope he gets late day, late day to capital. That's kind of the hope. Um, yeah. third, fourth round. Um, if he falls the fifth round, we saw Elijah Mitchell last year kind of, you know, make that a misnomer. So I'm excited for the kid, man. He he's a hell of a football player, and I think he can be an absolute Pro Bowl caliber back in a wide zone scheme um, where he's the guy. So let's hope he gets it. But I'm I'm pretty high on him.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of mad at myself. I was gonna put his. Uh, he's got this great picture with this smirk on his face. And I was going to put that on as one of these picks (laughs) and I just clicked the wrong one and I was in a hurry. So I didn't stop myself. But um, yeah, I I was like, when I did the board, I'm like, someone's going to be like, where the hell is Pierre strong? Um, And, and Pierre strong is definitely someone that I I listened to a lot of move the sticks and Rhett Lewis was pounding the table for him. And one episode he started talking about him and Bucky Brooks was like, all right, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna go check him out. Yada yada. He's like I heard about him. I'm gonna check him out. And he came back the next episode, and he was just like, "All right, man. I like this guy. I like this guy a lot." He said he's more than just a big play guy. He's got yeah, you know a exactly. lot of a lot of production, and he's very you know just very uh, just consistent with what he does on the field. So love that. And and you know I love hearing the the outliers because when it comes down to it. You know, Those are the guys, if he's number two on on Angelo's board, you may not have to take him as your second running back. But if you're getting him as the fifth, sixth, seventh, or tenth running back off the board, that tells you that it is a home run steal.
1: Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And that's kind of like when I use AGS in terms of my own drafting, that's kind of what I look at is like grades aren't just, okay, you're drafting in this order. It is what kind of value can I get? And that's a huge deal because if a guy like Pierre Strong Jr., who I have really high in AGS, similar grade to Travis Etienne last mm-hmm. year, actually, I'm going to be like, okay, he's just, I'm in the second round right now. Looks like, you know, he's, there's like four running backs off the board, five, I can wait maybe a bit longer Yep. and then, you know, you can cook him longer and then you can maybe, we can get him later, so guys like that are awesome to me because like, if I can identify those type of talents, it makes it a lot more advantageous come draft time to get those guys later. Um, My league mates aren't, you know, aren't as keen on him or yep. just don't know about him Cause that's kind of how it, that's kind of how it works with some of these guys where it's just, it's hard to find information about one double a prospects, right? Even like Trey Lance last year, it's like one double a guy. Okay. I know he's good. He got the capital, but, it's hard to compare him to, you know, your Zach Wilson's and your yeah. your Justin Fields and your, you know, your Trevor Lawrence's because there's not as much tape on a guy like that. So um, coming through that and, and watching some South Dakota State full games was a lot of fun. <laughs> but I'll be honest, I, I am. I, I think this kid's going to be really successful um, in the right environment and wherever he lands. I'm just going to be excited to watch him boil, watch him play.
0: Yeah, and, and you know we talk about it all the time. Average draft position is not rankings, right? Average draft position is basically your like that's that's the market value for the the player. But always remember, it's an average. So if the average is five point oh nine, somebody's taking them at four point oh nine, and somebody's taking them at six point oh
1: nine. Right.
0: So you just got to be able to kind of figure that stuff out. But when it comes down to it, your rankings compared to your ADP that's where you find these values you go man this guy's adp is 27 and he's you know he's number the number two running back on angelo's board even if you're not someone that 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 really buys too much into Pierre strong when you're sitting there in the second round he should be you should have him in your queue and ready to go
1: yeah it you know I mean my grades are my grades too i'm only one I'm only one person so it's like if someone I'm just a resource, so if someone's listening wow. to me, it's awesome. But you know, it's I'm wrong all the time too, and I've definitely been wrong. I've been wrong before, and I'm gonna be wrong again. But um, a guy like Pierre Strong, I'm just super excited about right. it. When you get in the second rounds, your rookie drafts, third rounds, you're looking for the you know you're looking for the a the upside or b guys who can be you know secondary or tertiary pieces on your roster in case of injury and depth. So. Um, but yeah, man, he's, he's, I'm pumped for him. I'm, I'm really if excited. You could, if you guys game.
0: find me someone that's never got it wrong, please let me know. Cause I need to follow them because, um, I, I get it wrong all the time. Uh, Terrace Marshall. Um, yeah, so, uh, Brian Robinson jr. Comes in as my RB six and I just, I, I just, yes, it, it's, it's easy to scout the helmet and see Alabama running back and success. Because if you look at the boards and who's been successful it's Alabama running backs, and, and part of that is is they get high draft capital in good positions. Sure. Um, do they end up as your number one overall running back? Not really. But SEC running backs, when I did that research and just did, hey, who are the top twenty four running backs in the last five seasons? SEC dominated over twenty percent of the of the pile was from the SEC, and half that pile was from Alabama. And when it, when it right. comes down to it, Brian Robinson is going to find himself. He's gonna find himself uh, on the field early. Yep. And uh, I want to know what your your thoughts about him.
1: Yeah, hit the nail on the head. He's gonna find himself on the field early. He's a he's a he's a good back, and I've I've liked him for years. We have a, actually a tape versus Devi league that we that we do with, with some of the guys and some of the guys in the industry, um, like Matt Hicks and a few other guys, um, um, Dynasty the being being counter as well. So um, I took him three years ago, actually. Biggest thing that stood out to me three years ago when I stood it down was he's a good receiver. And that was like at his size, a good mover for his size as well. You know, he played around 230, I believe, dropped some weight, um, you know, to show up, to showcase his abilities at the combine. Um, but he's a just a nasty runner. There's a few of those in this class, man, just love their brand of football. Like him, Zamir White, Damian Pierce, uh, Tyler Algier, like guys like that who – who play nasty and have that mean streak to him. And he's one of those, but he's also a really economical and fluid mover. Kind of reminds me, reminds me of another Robinson, James Robinson. And it, he's a just, just a good football player, man. I don't think he's going to be like a all-pro or a pro bowler, but he could very well be an average to above-average NFL running back and have a role in the league for a good amount of time. I would love – I've, I've been saying this for weeks. I, the Eagles need a guy like that. Like yep. The Eagles need to draft a guy like that who can take the workload of off off of Miles Sanders. I still believe in Sanders' talent. He just needs someone to take the heat off. He he needs a lesser workload. He's a secondary piece and a damn good one. Um, I think a guy like Brian Robinson in Philly would be a great fit for Hurts in that whole offense.
0: Yeah, I, I could see him being a a someone that people very very much dislike on draft day when he goes, if he goes to the Chargers. Um, mm-hmm. But I could definitely see him being a uh, a sidekick to someone like an Austin Eckler as well.
1: Right. No 100%. All
0: right, so the next the next guy I got on my board is Kyron Williams. And you know, I again am not going to just see a 40 and just kill someone for it. Someone that's bent up high enough. Yes, I did drop him down the board. But I'm not gonna go and bury this guy and say everything I saw on tape, everything that I read, is just garbage because he ran a four, you know, he ran a, oh. a four six. Now, is, does it def, definitely bring some concerns? Yes, you don't want someone that's that size running that small. And the Austin Eckler comparisons are kind of out the window at this point after you've seen the workout. But he's still a really, really good football player, and I think he offers some a skill set that some of these bigger backs don't offer in his elusiveness and creativity in space. What are what are your thoughts? about Kyron Williams.
1: You alluded to it, uh, elusiveness and creativity. Uh, he's he's a creative runner. He is a pretty fundamentally sound one, and he's the best pass protecting back in this class. That will get you on the field. That that will get you the capital you didn't have otherwise. If he was just a, a good runner, not very fast, not great breakaway speed, then we're looking at a you know, sixth, seventh round guy. But he could go, I think, as high as the late third, early fourth round. Because he's a really good pass catcher and he's a really good pass protector. And that's going to be where he makes his hay is being the Giovanni Bernard, you know, being, you know, a theoretic type of an offense in in an NFL offense. Just being that guy, you know, being able to protect the passer is really important, especially with some of these marquee guys in the league. Um, And I don't worry about his size and pass pro either. He plays a lot bigger than he's listed. Uh-huh. Um, and pay, plays a lot bigger than he weighed the combine. So I think he's going to see the field, and he's a guy, too, that's like I said before, you're he, looking for the home run of the depth piece. He's a really good depth guy because he's going to see the field. He's going to see a decent snap share, I think, before long because he's going to keep your quarterback upright. Yep. And that's those intangibles really, really matter on draft day. Smart kid. He's not going to make a lot of mistakes. He's going to keep your quarterback upright and and be a good outlet option as a receiver up as well,
0: yeah. If he could get that, you know that that two minute offense, or you know he's the one that when they're down, that he's they trust him in there. That's what you want because there's so I've we've all seen it where some guy puts up, you know Shane Vereen puts up 13 points in the last two minutes of the, fir- the, the right. first half or second half because they're just dinking and dunking it down the field, Um and and you know, you're not going to get on the field when you get, you know, allow your quarterback to get killed. Uh, I was listening again to move the sticks, but Terrell Davis was on, they were interviewing him and they said, Hey, you were, you know, you're a really good run blocker. And he was like, yeah, it's called survival. And if I don't protect John Elway, I don't have a job. Yeah. hundred percent. So I had to get good at that. He said, I had to get better at that. Than, I, than a running back because he said I didn't have to do that as much in college. We ran the ball. We didn't pass the ball. But when, when I got out there, I knew that I was protecting number seven. And, uh, he said, that's, that's something I worked on. And, and he said, even if it was just not being afraid to put your face in the fan, uh, he said, that's what I'll do. I'll throw my body in front of anybody for, you know, for that number seven, just so I, you know, get on the field.
1: That's awesome. You need to link me that too. Link, link me that in the comments. That, that, yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic line too. I love Terrell Davis. I, I listen to that man talk all day. But you're right. Yeah, that 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 keeps you. That keeps your job. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of times what you know. I was talking to my buddy too, and we're Bears fans, obviously. And we're um, talking about Dave Montgomery, and he's like, "Do you think the Bears move on from Dave Montgomery?" I'm like one of the things that Dave Montgomery does that's at a top shelf level in this league is pass protect. He graded out top three in pass protection as a rookie. He's been good ever since he stepped in the league. And the number one goal with this new front office, this new regime of Chicago Bears, is keeping Justin Fields upright. Yep. If you can find someone that can help do that, then you're going to find someone that's going to see the field and get a new contract. So that's that's a big deal. We're talking about rookie running backs. And can they do that? It's a completely different skill set than, than in college because you're right. Terrell Davis alluded to it. it. It's different. You know, when you're in college, you're just you're kind of the guy, right? These guys were all the guy on their yeah. offense. They weren't asked to do that a lot unless you're Kyron Williams. So Kyron Williams is coming into the NFL with a little bit of a leg up because that was his that's to me his shining skill. But yep. beyond anything else is ability to protect the passer, diagnose different diagnose different blitzes, diagnose when when things are coming, where they're coming from, um, and be alert, aware and, and keep the quarterback clean. So I think a guy like that's gonna be in the league for a long time. So, you know, if I'm in the mid late second round, I'm like, you know what, I need some running back depth, I need a guy that can get me maybe eight to twelve points, thirteen points, fourteen if he scores a tutty, great.
0: And back to the pass, the pass protection. This guy's not the best pass protector, um, but one thing I really like about him is his route running. And you know, running backs that are good route runners, they also can get on the field and they can be a weapon in the offense. Running backs with short arms that don't really know what they're doing when they're out there in space, looking back for the ball, they struggle. Andre Williams, those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. So. James Cook is my next, my next guy. He's a little smaller. He's not very sturdy. He's built a lot different than his brother. He's got kind of a basketball lower half. What are your thoughts about James Cook? I know a lot of people really like him, but the size concerns him.
1: Yeah. I I think with a guy like James Cook, he's going to be in, in more of that um, Giovanni Bernard, Shane Vereen, James whitish role, right? Where he's going to be a primary receiving option at the position He's going to be a guy that's going to be the safety blanket. Uh, he's basically um, you know, uh, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, a guy like that, their best friend. Um, I don't think he's going to be brought in to be a, a high-caliber, high-volume rusher, um, but I think he is going to be brought into an NFL offense to provide a different dynamic as a receiver. He's a fluid runner, really good in space, makes good decisions as a receiver, um, and I think he's going to be a good fit for an NFL offense, especially if you're, if you're playing in watching this and you're in your PPR leagues, you could do way worse at taking a swing at a guy like James Cook, um, who can have some significant PPR upside, and like we saw, I think it was a few years back with James White when um Michelle went down, James White was league winner, it was like RB RB four, RB five down the stretch because you combine his his pass catching acumen with, you know, some rushing volume, some like 13, 14 carries that's a, you know, that's 18, 19 total touches. Right. So um that's a big deal when you're talking about it. So um I'm excited to see a, a lot of these guys, man, the one thing I, I I'm looking at this class. And when, when you, when I go through the grades and evals, like there's some just good football players here. It's last year was a little different when you had your Najee Harris, you had your Travis ETN, you know, you had your Devonte Williams, you know, besides like Devonte and those guys, like you just had a, a bunch of dudes you had a couple guys pop like Elijah Mitchell obviously um Kenneth Gainwell was okay he was all right but this class is a lot deeper in the middle right and that's going to be really important for this next segue a next wave of NFL running backs once um once some of these guys test free agency next year and see kind of where their heir parents are like guys like Ezekiel Elliott and Derek Henry their heir apparents are probably in this class so I'm really interested to see what those two organizations in particular do with the position because uh, I think Tony Powell is going to be the guy there in in um, Dallas. But um, the Titans are going to be a fascinating one to watch because, yep. you know, what do you do with a near 30-year-old Derrick Henry?
0: Yeah, they, they could, you know, they can go shopping back at Alabama and get Brian Robinson to, to, right. fill, to fill that. So um, Pierre Strong, we've already talked about him. That's my next guy. And then Damian Pierce. So, uh, Damian Pierce, uh, what are your thoughts about his usage? He's one of the most efficient backs. I think it was one out of every seven touches went to the house, something like that. It was crazy. Yeah. What, what's what's going on with Damian Pierce?
1: I think he's one of those guys that's it's. I think he's going to be really the goal line back. He's he's got an attitude. He's a tone setter. He there's gonna there's guys in this class that have the type of play style to be that tone setting, that attitude of an offense. And that's really, that's important, right? He's one of those guys, you know, I don't think everybody's seen the play where his helmet gets ripped off and he's, he's still going towards the goal line. That's epitomized who he is as a player, right? Yep. When you watch him play, that's the physicality. He runs with every down guys like him don't last very long in the NFL, but guys like him are going to earn touches with that type of physicality. Um, if he can remain durable. And so. he's Dirty. He, yes, he's he
0: like is. he's like a CJ Anderson. Yes, um, yeah.
1: Five nine, like two hundred twenty plus pounds. Like absolutely rocked up. Like this dude. Yeah, man. It's just uh, the fun thing is about this class is there's there is between ten and thirteen guys. I think that are probably day two, late day two, early day three grades. Like, where are all these guys gonna go? Yeah, which is the fun part. Like when you look at even a guy like Pierre Strong, who I'm super high on, it's like, dang, what NFL team is going to need him? And that's going to be, you know, when do the run on running backs going to go? Like last year wasn't like that. You only had a couple, couple, couple of few on day two. You had like Ramondre, obviously, as well in the back half of that. Um, but yeah, this is a really good class when when it
0: boils down to the depth, and, and it comes down to like flavor and, yeah. and offense, you know, cause you got to know what kind of coaches you have, you know, right. what kind of coaches do you have uh, are and how, what kind of scheme do you have? Because if you got a scheme that's, that's going to fit, you know, these five guys, then you can wait and maybe get your guy in the fourth or fifth round. Cause mm-hmm. there's so many of those guys. But if you're looking for a pass catcher, there's only a couple of those. If you're looking for a bruiser, there's a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. You're looking for someone that does both. That's where it gets a little bit dicey, where you're gonna be like, all right, there's there's not as much on the rack when you go shopping for okay. guys give you both.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, and that's the thing is too, that's why I also like we go back to Pierre Strong again, because he's one of those guys who's kind of best of both worlds. He's a good through contact back. I think he was a little meat in the bone in terms of um like short contact and and contact that's low, but he's a guy that's Built like an NFL running back, like 6 feet, 205, 210 pounds. He has the build. He has top-end speed, the accelerative qualities. Then, like, obviously guys like Brees Hall are the upper echelon guys of this class, right? Kenneth Walker, too. Like, those guys are going to be the first two drafted, I think, Um, pretty much consensus. But after that, it's like, what kind of back do you want? They all have, like, an archetype. So that will be interesting to see what NFL teams think of these guys. Um, There's some good blends of runner receiver, like a guy like Rashad White, obviously there's great pure receivers, like a guy like James Cook, open field guys. And then there's the guys that are more like, um, like talent ceiling question marks like Isaiah Spiller. Um, So it's just a fun class, man. It's a fun class to evaluate and talk about.
0: So let's go with a couple, a couple guys that are off the grid or maybe just maybe not off the grid, but little sleepers. Give me two or three guys that people are not talking enough about.
1: I would say the first guy is going to be Keontae Ingram. Uh, I'm a really big fan of Ingram. I've, I, when I, I watched him all the way going back to um, his days at Texas, and he's just a fun player. He's extremely quick for his size, good, not great, top-end speed and accelerative qualities, but he's a really good pass catcher. That's the one thing that stuck out to me when I was watching him play at Texas. Really good receiver out of the backfield, has a great sense of timing and spacing um on angle and option routes. So that's one thing I love about him. He has the size, he's 225 pounds, six feet tall, played at about 235 um in his Texas days, slimmed down when he went to USC and transferred there. But I like him a ton. Another guy, I think, is Jerome Ford. Uh, he's a fun one Cincinnati, Cincinnati back, um, transit from Alabama. Um, best top and speed at the position. Um his 40, he's his 40 time was in, I think, in the four fours. People expect it a bit faster, but he's a track guy. Um, I was a track guy too. Track guys are we're not we're not taught to accelerate abruptly, right? Our acceleration is prolonged. So he's the fastest running back in this him and Pierre Strong are the two fastest running backs in this class. Um, and he's an interesting one if he gets in a wide zone scheme, a scheme that's gonna let him get in open space. Because once he does, I mean, just just watch out. Um, also, though, I think one other guy we haven't talked about is Tyler uh, Tyler Beatty, um, yep. and he's an interesting one because he, you know, he had sixteen hundred yards in the SEC. Like that's a, I mean, that's a pretty historically productive season. That's that's in the ninety fifth, 96th percentile in terms of historical production of all time. Like you don't have guys who rush for sixteen hundred yards in the SEC and are bums in the NFL, so that that's the tough part is you know where is a guy like him staying? Because he's more like a um, like a fancy theoretic type player where he has good rushing ability, but he he's a good good receiver out of the backfield, can make some plays in the open field too. So I'm excited about him too and seeing where he gets drafted because a team with that type of
0: need um, might need that niche back and and he might provide that role. So I got to go to the combine and I got to go on running back day. So that's awesome. It was, it was fun to see these guys and, and see them out of pads um, because you get to see the body types. You got you know, your guys like Tyler Algier. Am I saying that correct? Yeah. Right? Algier, we
1: didn't talk about him, but I like him too. I think he's he interesting.
0: He had massive. He was like uh who's uh, Samaje P Ryan. Really? Like massive, massive shoulders and, and arms. And just a real little, little waist and kind of smaller legs, I'm like, who is this guy? He just looked like a like a bodybuilder. That's funny, um, but he just had these like just really really big shoulders. Um, I see like a lot of James Connor kind of comps with him with his running style and how sure. I mean, he was a big big dude. Um, Piachu, I'm probably saying that one wrong, but God, oh you know, uh,
1: yeah yeah yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, his Isaiah ass, Pacheco, is that him?
0: Yeah yeah, Pacheco. Yeah, Pacheco. I, his? Yep. He had, he had a little, he, he had a little sizzle to him. I mean, you could just tell he had some Did he glasses, That's No, what I heard. I but heard he had heard... a massive oh. gold chain. That's awesome. And, and I, he, his RAS scores and things like that were very similar to like Rashad white. Okay. And so, um, but he stood out and when I, when I watched them, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to pretend I'm a pro evaluator, but I can tell when someone looks fluid. And someone looks clunky. I mean, just from the eye test, you can tell that somebody is, you know, maybe they don't have quick enough feet to work through traffic or when they make their cuts, they have to really, really, um, you know, drop it down yeah, and have a hard, yep. And especially in the receiving drills, when they're doing the, you know, the Texas route and things like that, and the wheel route, he looks really nice. And I was just looking through my sheet, like who the, who the heck is twenty six? And, uh, and he was there. And when he walked by, he was cool. Um, sincere McCormick. Yeah. And, uh-huh. um, Jerome Ford, I was right by the tunnel. So I got to just say what's up to everybody when they came through. McCormick looked good too. Um, he's a small school guy. Yeah. Anything on him? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Anything on him? Uh, He's interesting because he he kind of
1: falls in this category of like, what the hell do we do with all these dudes? There's some dudes like like Pacheco too. It's like he's nice, like he's a good player, but is he gonna make an NFL roster? And that's the that's the you know we don't we don't know that. I mean these he's, guys are
0: these he guys, looks the
1: part. I'll right? tell you that. You gotta hey, tell me the guys. You gotta tell me since you were there, who are the guys that impressed you the most? From like a fluidity standpoint, because I wasn't there. I saw I was watching it on TV. So I'm like, you can't see everything. And the angles are kind of shitty sometimes. But yeah, you tell me who 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 impressed you, Dave.
0: Yeah, uh, Kenneth Walker. Um, I expected him to be, you know, just just a running back and not really. He looks he looks fluid. He looked like he was someone that has obviously been training to do the, the receiving drills and things like that. But I just – I'll never forget the Saquon Barkley class. I got to see him. I got to see Christian McCaffrey. And I remember watching McCaffrey, and I'm like, he runs routes better than the receivers. Like, you can just be like, this guy's been doing this since he's like three years old. And, um, you know, Goodman uh, out of – uh, yeah. yeah, Tyler yeah. Goodson. Yep, good- Goodson uh, out, of, out of Iowa. He, mm-hmm. he looked – yeah, he looked good. But uh, just those guys, you know, um, Pierre Strong as well, um, being able to, to – see how fast he was um but everything with kenneth walker i think was kind of the big ones spiller didn't really run because he had the hip injury Mm -hmm. um Brees hall looked good um but yeah those guys and jerome ford i thought jerome ford ran fat ran he ran faster and was bigger than i thought he was okay um but yeah those are the big ones but kenneth walker i think was the most impressive but this yeah other guy the I keep calling it Pikachu or whatever. Um, We're calling Pikachu. Might be the best
1: nickname.
0: Yeah, if he gets if he gets somewhere and catches that nickname, but he just had some swagger to him and things like that. But he just he looks like because these guys, when you see them, they don't got their helmet on, and from that far away, you can't really see their name. They're just you know they blend in together, and it really is nice to see them side by side, and not only to see the prototypes but also be able to see them run the same drills and say, Hey, that guy looks a lot better. And I remember seeing Trey Hendrickson. And I was like, who is that guy? Cause he just looked better than the other guys, you know? And um, it's just some of those things you can see when you're at the combine.
1: I love that. I, I want to go one day. That's kind of my bucket list too. Cause I want to see, I want to like, I, if I could be at the combine for the next class, that would be insane. Like, look, like, like we have guys like Jameer Gibbs and Bajan Robinson and you have the receivers, you have, you have Boutique and JSN and Quentin Johnston and Michael Mayer at tight end and the quarterbacks, like embarrassment of riches coming to the next class. So like being able to see those guys kind of up close and personal will be insane, especially without pads on like you, are right. It's important to see Bill. It's important to see how they carry themselves. It's important to see how they interact with other people. Because thing at the combine for me in particular that's what I'm looking at. Like when yep. I was watching the combine, I was watching the interviews. Like that's super important to me. I'll, I'll never forget yep. my favorite interview to this day, excluding this class. Jonathan Taylor absolutely crushed the interview. And I knew, I'm like, this, like, he's obviously immensely talented, but yep. very well spoken, extremely conscientious, was able to, you know, answer every question with a really good pace, good flow. And obviously like that stuff, we don't grade that stuff, but that stuff really matters to an NFL offensive coordinator an NFL front office when you're drafting those guys. So I liked watching Jonathan Taylor's interviews. Uh, I thought it was really cool how he interacted with the reporters um, and those yeah. as those asking the questions. I think this year, my favorite one in watching was probably Malik Willis. Yeah. Um, I thought he just knocked it. Out of the park. I mean, the guy had a just a magnetic personality, and um, he just he's one of those people. I think he's rare because people just seem to kind of gravitate towards him. I noticed that at the Senior Bowl before the combine, actually, and it was one of those things where, like, whenever he was doing something, everybody was watching. Yep. Like his teammates stopped. Like you watch the other quarterbacks throw, and like everybody's just kind of yada yada talking talking. Whenever he did something, everybody stopped what they're doing to watch him. And that that means kind of a lot. I mean, for me, like, like you know, my athletic background, whenever there was a guy, like, I, shit I had in my career, like, I was good enough to be in the conversation with some of these dudes. But I would fucking stop to watch, like, some of these upper echelon track athletes and be like, wow. Like, jeez. Like, and that's kind of an, that's an important thing um, to me when I watch that stuff. Cause it's like, that stuff carries some weight, you know I mean? Yeah. Like if these guys who are shit, man, you're talking, you're at the senior bowl and you're like, man, hold on a second. Let me watch this. Like, that's impressive, man. Cause these are all like elite athletes, dude. I mean, that, that stuff's cool to me. So, but yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, Dave.
0: Yeah, and you know, hey, if you come to the combine and it stays in Indy because it may move out of Indy, they may do it one more year here, but there is talk that it may leave. I can be your personal tour guide. Uh, I know a couple guys that actually did get you know credentialed and were able to get in and ask some uh, questions this year and interview. And you know, it, it's a fun experience. And you know, you know, the running backs they they unanimously skipped. I forget which drill it was. Whether, whether yes, it yes, I saw that.
1: that. Yes, sir. They it's because it was so late. Yes, they like, had yeah, so to late. Him.
0: Kenneth Walker ran his 40 at 9:30 at night.
1: That's brutal.
0: Brutal after he's been, you know, did the bench and the interviews and the right. medical checks and all that stuff all day. Right. I have no idea why, but the running backs just, you know, they were put at the end of the day. Mm. And so they were like, All right, well, we're not doing this entire drill. And that's because they did their 40s, they did a couple of the drills that needed to be done. But at the end of the day, the two most important things are way above the 40 they're the medical check and the interviews and that's what they're there to do and you're getting all the decision makers all in the same room so all these guys even if the guys don't participate in the drills they still accept their combine invite and go because right. that's why because the interviews
1: right 100 percent. 100
0: so the the last question i'm gonna get out of here travis etn where would you put him because he didn't play last year Sure. Where would you put Travis Etienne? Obviously, with the injury, mm-hmm. in with, with this
1: class, with the injury, probably RB, probably RB two, RB three, like right with. He's a similar style back actually to Pierre Strong Jr. For being honest, um, right in that cluster with Strong Jr. and Kenneth Walker. I, I think that's kind of where he is. I think all those guys you, you can. I think Kenneth Walker's. I think the safest of that bunch right now,
0: uh-huh.
1: um, even with James Robinson's um, Achilles unfortunate Achilles injury. Um, I think ETN still has a good path for significant touches this year. However, that's a tough injury to overcome in terms of having longevity, the position. Now he was already kind of a risk of that coming in with, with his running style, um, how he ran his movement skill. So, but now with that injury kind of being really prevalent early on in his career, it kind of, you know, gives you some pause, but I think he's still, you know, I still have him as a pro bowl caliber talent. I mean, he's still a super talented dude. So, but yeah, I'd, I'd put him in that cluster with the strong junior and, uh, and Walker.
0: Yeah. And, and the reason I bring it up is, you know, if you're, if you're picking seven, eight, nine, you're probably not going to get a shot at these guys. You may get a shot. You're obviously get a shot at Pierre strong right now. Um, but you know, you may, be needing a running back and, and etn could be that guy if you you know you're not comfortable with these other guys um and, and he's you know james robinson's injury does open up a window as well as his familiarity with you know with trevor lawrence right. i will say to to put a little bit of a of you know a buzz on it is you know doug peterson um he does tend to run more of a committee than than anything mm-hmm. But I do expect Travis Etienne be the leader in the clubhouse and to get a bunch of the passing game work. Um, he's, he's he's someone that you know Trevor Lawrence is very very comfortable with,
1: right? One hundred percent. All right,
0: man. Well, hey, you've been really gracious with your time. Make sure everyone goes and checks out Angelo analysis, and I hope you guys have a, a good a good week.